The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales. Episode 54, Deathless Love, Part 2. I just need a moment to collect myself, Isabel said. This is a long and complex story and not from my tradition. I just want to make sure I'm doing it justice. Justice has nothing to do with it, Koshche made an anguished moan. Yvonne was a good-for-nothing fop who stole Maria away from me. How do you think she was able to be victorious on the battlefield? Yes, she was a brilliant strategist, but I was her general. Meaning no disrespect, Deathless One, Jack cut in, but an advisor of such a high rank in any army would have merited better quarters and treatment than the way the prince found you. Why were you fettered in a closet? That was an illusion, Koshche cried. I had my own pavilion within the encampment. It was as large as I wanted it to be, richly furnished with servants to see to my needs and adjutants to carry out my orders. When I heard there was some spoiled, petty princeling snooping around asking questions who had the nerve to seduce Maria, I collapsed my quarters into the size of the wardrobe and folded my forces into the links of the chains. With these, I appeared to bind myself within the closet. I was aware that the aristocracy were gullible, and I wanted to see if I could make the prince do as I commanded. Then I was going to bind him to my service and win Maria back. But his actions made me so angry I abandoned any thought of playing a long game. Jack accepted Koshche's answer, but understood why Maria had been the tactician in the partnership. Clearly, immortality was no guarantee of patience or the ability to carefully consider multiple courses of action, at least not for very long. Despite the fact that one of his best friends had been nearly killed moments ago, Jack cautiously began to see Koshche in a new light. To prove his theory, he ventured one more question. In the story, the prince and Maria Morevna seemed to come together as if predestined. Surely that would not have happened if one as powerful as you had made your feelings known. While we were on campaign, Koshche said, I kept our relationship strictly professional. She wasn't aware of my feelings for her before Ivan came along and ruined everything. I was waiting for peace. Jack nodded to himself. Then he started typing. He had created one portal to contain Owen's repeating hell of unpredictably shifting fortunes in order to remove Isabel's brother as a threat from her life. The constant pecuniary uncertainty drove Owen a little crazy in a mildly subservient way. He was convinced that Isabel had the power to make his life hell and control his money. 
although Jack had simply created an algorithm that would deploy slightly differently every repeating cycle, depending on what the markets were up to. Fortune was less like a wheel in Owen's life than a self-healing egg. Every time it rolled along to a point where it cracked and spilled out Owen's vast resources, it closed again. But where there had been a break, there was a new weakness, a new uncertainty in Owen's portfolio. His advisors couldn't explain it, though they took increasingly hefty fees in the attempt. The wobbling course of his fortune kept him slightly mad, but also kept any actions against Isabel in check because Jack made sure that his fortune swung upward just as he formed the idea that his twin was to blame for his misfortune. Then the fortunate son partied like it was 2007 until... Jack wondered for a moment that he couldn't feel sorry. Justice might have nothing to do with Koshte's story, but he was glad he had played a part to finally make it part of Isabel's. Then there was the egg he had created from Diarmid's box to contain Baba Yaga's world. He had crafted it very carefully, and within the duck, within the hare, within the stone casket, within the eternally burning tree, it seemed to be holding. In using it for that purpose, he had denied himself a way back to fairy. It didn't matter. He had created a world to contain evil in order to save this one with all its faults. He understood he was, or had been, Thomas the Rhymer, but he couldn't remember his own story. He had read about him, himself, but the tales and songs didn't ring true. Jack didn't see himself reflected in them. He had no idea where he belonged. He was between contracts, and his uncle had convinced him to give notice on his flat and extend his caravan holiday. Jack had lived in the same building for long enough that he was on a rolling month-to-month rental contract. His landlord was sorry to see him go, but didn't protest and promptly paid his full security deposit. Jack also deleted all his social media accounts, since Diarmid was certain they'd be hitting the road soon. It was a little death. No one objected to the apparently sudden mass unfriending. Jack was a thoroughly decent guy whom no one really knew. He was a man without a story, probably about to lose his dearest friends as their shared tales came to an end. In conversations with Lucas and Isabel, Jack learned of a story where an egg contained neither death nor a kingdom, but love. He needed Isabel and Lucas to be aware that they had to make room in the story for one more egg. He needed Lucas's last box and for them to help him make connections through Isabel's telling of Maria and Koshje's story. He wrote to both of them. Isabel, please ask for a slightly longer break. I need a little time to write this. Lucas, I need your last box from Baba Yaga's first story, the one whose path led elsewhere and whose possibilities were unknown. It's yours, Jack, of course, Lucas said, transferring the object to Jack's inventory. 
Thanks. And can you go over another story with Isabel? The Maiden Tsar, I think it's called. After what happened just now, I was already thinking along those lines, Lucas affirmed. What are you going to do, Jack? Isabel asked. I'm going to give peace a chance, Jack replied. And maybe, just maybe, love as well. Isabel begged her listeners' indulgence for time to prepare the rest of the story. All agreed, including Kostje, who, though not the most patient or accommodating of immortals, seemed to have subsided into silent grief and memory. Take the time you need. I'll take care of him, Vasily said, bustling off to the kitchen and quickly returning with a tray bearing steaming, smoky black tea and sugar and setting it before his morose friend. Isabel and Lucas discussed the direction Jack needed her to take the story in. I just hope I can weave all the threads together, Isabel said doubtfully. Don't worry, honey, you've learned from the best, Rosamond smiled. When the audience gathered again, Isabel began exactly where she left off before Koschei's violent outburst. Olga was indeed glad to see her younger brother, and they begged Ivan to stay with them for a while. As with his eldest sister, he declined their hospitality. I must go seeking for my beloved, he said earnestly. We understand, brother, his sister assured him graciously, but your travels will take you through the land where Anna now resides. Please be sure to visit her and take our best wishes. But leave your silver penknife with us, Prince Eagle said. If it stays bright, we will know you prosper. If it darkens, we will know that some evil shadow has fallen across your fate, and I will come immediately to your aid. The prince agreed, made his farewells, and went on his way. He hadn't journeyed far when he came to an even greater palace than the others he had visited, with a massive oak in the front garden. A night-black raven swooped down from the branches at his approach, struck the ground, and became his elegant and handsome brother-in-law, Prince Raven. "'Well met, my brother!' he cried. "'What great good fortune it is that you honour us with a visit. Anna has missed you terribly and will be delighted you are here.' He showed Ivan inside, and Anna was truly overjoyed to see him. Were it not for the constant ache in his heart over the loss of Maria Morevna, Ivan's joy in his reunion with his youngest sister would have been complete. He explained his quest. We wish you every success, of course, Prince Raven avowed, but leave your silver watch chain with us. If it stays bright, we will know fortune favors you. If it tarnishes, I will seek you out and help all I can. Ivan thanked them and went on his way. Not long after, he found Maria Morevna at Koschei's stronghold, seemingly unguarded. Why have you come for me? Do you not value your own life? Maria asked. My life is worth less to me than my enemy's death, Ivan said. Maria pondered that, since Ivan's reply did not take account of any actual affection for her, but only encompassed the defeat of his rival. 
Indeed, once he had her again, Ivan's heart was like that of a sailor who longs for the stability of dry land when out on the rolling waves, but who, as soon as he has wearied of the first taste of shore leave, wants only to be at sea again. They rode away from Koshche's domain. As they gained distance, Koshche's own horse stumbled in surprise at their daring escape. You rangy old sack of glue, Koshche cried. What's wrong with you? Prince Ivan has recaptured Maria Morevna. Can we catch them up? If we were to sow wheat, wait until it grew and ripened, thresh it and grind it into flour, bake it into bread, stuff ourselves silly, sleep off the belly aches, and then start out after them, we would still catch them, Koshche's faithful mount assured him. And so they did. Koshche plucked Maria from Yvonne's saddle at full speed without so much as wrinkling her cape. I will forgive you this once, the deathless one said. You were kind to me and brought me water. Even twice I may forgive you, but be warned. Three times is my limit. After that I hack you into pieces. They rode off, leaving Prince Yvonne alone once more. As soon as Maria Morevna was no longer his, Ivan's heart broke and he knew only that he must get her back again. He made straight for Koshche's domain and claimed Maria once more. He will only catch us this second time, Maria lamented. At least we will have had some short time together, Ivan replied. Why couldn't she see the bright side of things? Though she was beside him on the horse as they rode away, already his heart was feeling restless. Again, Koshche's horse stumbled under him. You knotted ball of bowstrings, what ails you now? Koshche bellowed. Maria Morevna is back with the prince. Can we intercept them? If we were to sow barley and let it grow and ripen, brew beer, get roaring drunk and sleep it off, we could still catch them up, his horse promised. And so they did. And this time Koshche reclaimed Maria at full gallop so lightly, her riding skirts barely rustled. Indeed, Ivan found he had gone some way before he marked her absence. He turned his horse with a sigh and started back, telling himself that recovering her was the only thing that mattered. Ivan reclaimed her a third time, and being an immortal of his word, Koshche chased him down, retrieved Maria in gallant fashion once more, and hacked Ivan into pieces, all from his horse. He put the pieces in a chest bound with iron hoops and threw it into the sea. No sooner had he done that than Ivan's spoon, penknife, and watch chain blackened. At once, his brothers-in-law changed into their bird forms and flew to his aid. Sharp-eyed Prince Eagle retrieved the chest from the sea, while Falcon and Raven retrieved the waters of life and death. Prince Raven sprinkled the pieces with the waters of death, and they knit themselves together into an undamaged corpse. Prince Falcon anointed Ivan with the waters of life, and Ivan yawned and woke up. How long have I been asleep, he asked. You would be sleeping forever if we hadn't known to come and help you, Raven said, as the three explained what had happened. 
Soon Yvonne convinced himself that he had to win Maria Morevna back. He soon found her again in Koshche's domain, and she marveled at his return to life. Ask Koshche how he came by such a fine horse. He caught us each time no matter how far ahead we were, Yvonne said. Maria asked Koshche the question. Not missing an opportunity to brag just a little, he said. My horse was given to me by a powerful witch in payment for looking after her herd for three days. She has an excellent stable of animals, all midnight black, blood red, or starry white, like night, day, and dawn. She also has another horse. This one is the color of twilight, a silver star on her brow. This is her daughter, Enchanted. She can be either the fleetest creature who can run like the wind or a beautiful maiden. I did not see her, but I was happy enough with my wages for all I insult my steed. Where does the witch live? Beyond the flaming river. I wave a magical cloth three times on the right and a high bridge appears, which keeps me from the flames. Waving it three times on the left once I'm over will make it disappear. Maria passed this knowledge on to Ivan, along with the magic handkerchief, which she hid in her sleeve. Ivan accepted the intelligence and the magic cloth from her with a certain amount of impatience, as though he wanted to be gone. Indeed, he did not enjoy repetitive tasks, and he had already rescued Maria several times. She watched him ride off, remembering the exhilaration of past campaigns with Koshche and wondering if she wasn't better off staying captured rather than being rescued. When Ivan came to the Flaming River, he waved the magic kerchief three times and a bridge appeared. Do not cross me, and I can bring you your heart's desire, came a voice. What? Ivan said. Just then, the flames of the river formed into wings and a great firebird rose up from the deep riverbed, consuming the bridge as it rose, breaking it like an eggshell. The bridge collapsed into two perfectly arched halves and lay in the bottom of the rapidly cooling bed. The arcs collapsed around themselves, forming two different but equally beautiful jeweled eggs. Yvonne rode down the side of the riverbed, the firebird hovering above him. He picked up an egg in each hand. Though both were exquisitely made, one was very light and the other was full and heavy. What is one my life and one my death? He asked. One is what you truly desire and one what you think you deserve, the bird said. Why can't I have both? Yvonne asked a little petulantly. Choose, the firebird said. Your choice will fulfill your destiny. Ivan weighed the eggs. He suspected some trick and recalled stories where a whole kingdom could fit inside an egg. He thought of the Baba Yaga's magnificent herds. He chose the lighter one. May you find all you desire. The firebird bowed its head in blessing, gently taking up the other egg in its talons and flying toward the domain of Koshche the Deathless. When Koshche and Maria discovered the egg in the garden, Koshche turned pale and frightened. Now you truly have me, Commander. The egg is beautiful, but is meant to be hidden. Inside is my death. 
Take it up and destroy it, and you will destroy me and all memory of me. Maria took the egg up gently, turning it over and admiring the jeweled designs. There's a story of a maiden Tsar who loves one named Ivan, but he is enchanted and fails to meet her at the appointed time so they can run away together, Maria began thoughtfully. Over time, she forgets him, and he pursues her, consulting several yagas, but only the last one is helpful. She tells him where to find the egg that contains the Tsar Maiden's love, inside the duck, hare, and stone casket in a tree, as your death is likewise found. He retrieves it, and she serves a great dinner to the maiden and her ladies, preparing the magic egg as one of the dishes for the Tsar Maiden. In consuming it, she recalls her love for Ivan, and they are reunited. In my case... Ivan forgot his love for me the moment he had me. Yet you, my faithful general, recovered me each time with the same level of devotion. Whether this egg contains my love or your death, let it remain the only thing between us and let us continue on together. And for Ivan's part, whether prince or pauper, trickster or fool, he keeps chasing what he most desires, horse trading with Baba Yaga when the mood takes him or the need arises. As Isabel finished to astonished silence, Jack launched his last egg. It appeared like a hologram before Koshche, spinning gently, animated depictions of a beautiful woman arrayed for battle tracing its surface. Maria! Koshche breathed, reaching for the illusion. Wait, what trickery is this, he cried, his large hand closing on thin air. No trick, my friend, Vasily said. I believe after all this is over, you must go on something of an Easter egg hunt. She's out there, in one of the realms, and she's waiting for you. Koshche looked gratefully at Isabel, then apologetically at Lucas. A look of peace suffused his previously tormented features. I will find her again, he said softly. The Decameron shuffled. Three of hearts. That's me next, but I don't know what story to tell as we come nearer the end. I don't remember my story, and so maybe I don't have one, Jack said. Yes, you do. Moot answered, though you might not remember it to tell it until someone gives it back to you. That you are a man without a story is the source of your next tale. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful storied place, the ancestral lands of the Sinemuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.